in his time. That's a beautiful song. Thank you very much. Turn to Exodus 35 this morning. And we have before us uh, today three of the most fascinating verses in all the Bible to me. And we won't get to them till the end, so I'm kind of putting out the carrot for us to chase, but uh, you are going to be blown away by what happens in this passage if you'll stick with us throughout the service. Uh, what a phenomenal thing that happens here. We're in the final week of my one and only life. In the first three sessions, we covered the core values here at Centennial, loving God, growing together, and serving others. And this morning, we're going to try our best to bring all of our thoughts together into this final topic, investing in eternity. If you're physically able, would you stand for a reading there in Exodus 35? And we're going to start this morning in verse number 4. And Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it. An offering of the Lord, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair. I don't know if anybody's ever brought that for the offering here. And ram skin dyed red and badger's skins and shittim wood and oil for the light and spices for anointed oil and for the sweet incense and onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate. And every wise-hearted among you shall come and make all that the Lord hath commanded. The tabernacle, his tent, and his covering, his tatches, and his boards, his bars, his pillars, and his sockets, the ark, and the staves thereof, with the mercy seat, and the veil of the covering, the table, and his staves, and all his vessels, and the showbread, the candlestick also for the light, and his furniture, and his lamps, with the oil for the light, and the incense altar, and his staves, and the anointing oil, and the sweet incense, and hanging for the door, door at the inner end of the tabernacle. The altar of burnt offering with his brazen gate, his staves, and all his vessels, the laver in his foot, the hangings of the court, his pillars and their sockets, and the hanging for the door of the court, the pins of the tabernacle, and the pins of the court and their cords, the cloths of service to do service in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons to minister in the priest's office. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they came, every one whose heart stirred him up, and every one whom his spirit made willing, and they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation, and for all his service, and for all the holy garments. And let's pray together. Father, would you bless today as we look at this passage, that we understand together that investing in eternity is the greatest possible investment we could ever make. I pray that you would help us to understand that with the one and only life that you've given to each of us, that we will have one opportunity to go down this path, as pilgrims on this earth. I pray that you would help us to seek to serve you with our lives. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. What a detailed passage that we just went through of every little part that was going to have to be made in the tabernacle. And we'll tell you why 
but so important as we go through the message today. To start off with, though, I, I want to praise God for the decisions that are being made in the month of January. For some, it's to begin discipleship. And we want to make sure that every person who desires to be in one-on-one discipleship has that opportunity. And not everybody has made the connection yet with their disciple, but we're working on that and hoping by the end of January we get everybody started who wants to do that. And if, if you would like to be in discipleship, just take your bulletin tear off and write your name and mark that down at the bottom and, and state what you want to do. Tear that off and hand it to an usher, and we're going to get you hooked up. And you know, I just love the fact that people are still being involved in that. Others have made the decision to join with a life group. And that's huge as well because it shows that you have determined to make Christ-like connections and you're doing it on purpose. Those things don't happen by accident. As we've already heard, some have made decisions on how to serve, both here in the church community and in the community around us. And we each have only one life to either invest in something that outlasts us or to waste on temporary things of this earth. And today I want to consider with you investments that last forever. Now we know that some people grow up with money. Uh, we have phrases for them. We say that they were born with a silver spoon in his mouth. I remember uh, the first gubernatorial election that I ever got to vote for was in Texas. And I missed the Oklahoma election because I hadn't turned 18 yet. And so I went all the way through college. And the first church my wife and I worked in was in 1994 in Garland, Texas. And so I voted for George W. Bush as the governor of Texas. And I remember in the debate that Ann Richards said that George was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. I never forgot that. But I still voted for him. He was born with a silver spoon. It's kind of weird that he had that silver spoon. But some people do grow up with money, and society uh, sometimes calls them old money because they've been handed everything. They, they already have money. They don't really have to work for anything. And uh, some people have to work their way to wealth, and they have to work their way to any type of success, and society sometimes calls them new money. Well, the children of Israel were definitely new money. They had all grown up as slaves in Egypt. They had absolutely nothing of value. And then the exodus took place, where God blessed them incredibly with the finest goods of Egypt. And it's like the whole congregation went from rags to riches overnight. They carried everything they could take out of Egypt. Gold and silver, the finest garments, the most expensive jewels. See, every particle on this earth belongs to God because he reigns for eternity. And God allowed the Israelites to receive things from the Egyptians that they could later offer as gifts for the tabernacle. There are so many important things in this passage for us today. And so let's get right to it. The notes are provided in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. And we talk first about giving from what's already been given. Look back again at verse 5 there in Exodus 35. Giving from what's already been given. Look what it says. Take ye from among you. Take ye from among you. So what was needed for the tabernacle was already there. 
Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it. God only wanted the people who had willing hearts to participate in the offering. That's incredible. God, God said, if you don't have a willing heart, I don't want anything you have. Because God always has enough. And so God said, the people have a willing heart. That's the first thing I want. A willing heart was the first investment. In fact, it's the most important investment. God's not interested in how much you have. Because he owns it all anyway. He's interested in your willingness to give it back to him. You know, it's more than just a willing heart. At the same time, it was a clear reminder as we mentioned earlier, to the congregation, that everything they possessed came from others. Go back in Exodus to chapter 11. I want to show you uh, just some history of what took place as they left Egypt. Exodus 11. Verse number 2. Speak now in the ears of the people, and let every man borrow of his neighbor. He's supposed to ask his neighbor. And every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. Can you imagine this? They're supposed to go next door, or across the street, or around the block, or they're supposed to walk down to another neighborhood and knock on the door and say, Hey, I'm here, I'd like to borrow some gold. Hey, could I borrow some silver from you? Right? And you're supposed to ask. You're asking all of these Egyptians for these things. And the Lord, look at it says, gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. So they were going to ask, and God was going to place on the hearts of the Egyptians... This pagan culture following a false god, following a pharaoh who had no regard for God, and these Egyptians were going to open up their safes and hand it to the Jews. It's incredible. God's going to do this. Now look at chapter 12, verse number 35. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. And they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they lent unto them, now I want you to notice this, such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. Now spoiled is the old English term which means they took everything. Right? When we use it in English, what it means is we give everything. Right? If you spoil your baby, it means you give baby Sophie everything. Right? You know, my wife's out of town this weekend, and Sophie is being spoiled galore right now. Why? Because I don't want to disappoint her. I don't want anything to go wrong. Right? Now, Cody got her ready for church this morning. Has anybody seen her to see if she's okay? Because I have not seen her today yet. She's good. Uh, just making sure. Now, make sure she got everything together. But they spoiled the Egyptians. They took everything from them. The Egyptians said, hey, we know you're leaving the country, and while you're leaving, we just wanted to give you everything. It's incredible. And where does this happen? Right? Now, some of you, when you're starting out in life, you would love to be able to go door to door and say, hey, 
I'm just here for some stuff. Right? I said, yeah, okay, I've got a craftsman tool set, and uh, you've got a, a good drill for you. And Stephanie, would this be great? You're about to get married, just say, hey, hey, we'll just take whatever. Okay, we'll give you some fine china, but what do they do? They give you a $15 toaster, right? And it breaks after a year, yeah? Or they give you the toaster that somebody gave them, a re-gift. So um, we live in a different society, but the Egyptians were going to give them everything. It's incredible. And now they've just gotten out of Egypt. I mean, they've just gotten out of Egypt. And God's given them the law. And then they had a big ruckus in the camp because Aaron uh, had them bring all their gold and jewelry and out popped a golden calf. Now, do you think God had them spoil the Egyptians so that they could make a golden calf? That just doesn't make any sense, does it? It's just happened just a couple of chapters before Exodus 35. And you know, a lot of the things that God gives us to be used in His service, we make golden calves with. We don't use it the way He intended us to use it. And so we waste it. Sometimes we even make a false idol out of it. That's a good application in this passage, but God said, now before you get too attached to your stuff again, I want you to have everyone that is willing to invest in something much greater than themselves to bring it as an offering. Have everyone that's willing to invest in something that will last much longer than they will to bring it as an offering. In other words, the people that were willing to give were the ones that got the big picture. You know, there's people in this room today, God may call you to heaven this year. He may. We don't know. Could be me. Could be anybody in here. You know, some of you have been given to Faith Promise missions for years and years, and maybe you have never gotten to meet one person who got saved in Puerto Rico, or who got saved in India, or somewhere in Africa because of your giving. She you know, someday, you're going to have an eternity to meet them all. Because you have invested in their eternity. And it's so profound that even though we could leave this life and we could leave this earth this year, that the influence of our investment will extend, not just this year, not just next year, but forever and ever. That's something I want to be a part of. That's an investment that I want to make with my life, where you are guaranteed eternal riches. That's pretty good stuff. And so here they were. They saw the big picture. She had this offering wasn't just about possessions and resources. It went well beyond the topic of money. We saw some of the stuff that they brought in the passage. Some of it was a little far-fetched as far as offering goes. Badger skins. And the pieces of wood that they were bringing in the offering. I bet the ushers would love that, wouldn't they? Now we've got a two-by-four today for the offering. You guys carry that out. Get, get that taken care of. It went well past money, though. And I know that some people get upset when pastors talk about money. And rightfully so with some of the televangelists who beg for your money and say they're about to go bankrupt and then go get in a helicopter to go to the next meeting. 
God has a better plan. That's why in the scripture, and you may be surprised to know this, Jesus talked about money twice as much as he talked about heaven and hell. Look it up. Start reading through it. He talked about money, mammon, resources, things of this earth, twice as much as he talked about heaven and hell. You know why? Because that's what keeps most people out of heaven and sends them to hell. We get so attached to this earthly stuff that we constantly, whether we're Christians or non-Christians, we have to address our treatment of resources. But this passage goes way past just resources, and so that's why we're going to talk the second thing today, working from providential wisdom. Working from providential wisdom. Look back at the passage in Exodus 35 now. And I want you to see in verse number 10, there's some key words in this passage. Well, what a beautiful verse this is for us. Exodus 35, verse 10, look what it says, And every wise-hearted among you. Now that's not a terminology that we use. Every wise-hearted. Here's what that means. Brenda is wise-hearted at playing the piano. That's what it means. She has a talent, ability, or gift to do that. Now she works at it, she practices, and she's developed that over time, but she's wise-hearted to do that. How many of you are not wise-hearted to play the piano? Okay. We had some people up here this morning on the worship team who are wise-hearted to sing. How many of you think that probably we should never hand you one of the microphones? Okay, I'm not beating up on it. You're saying it yourself. So you're not wise-hearted in that area. But every person is wise-hearted in some area. God has given everybody something they can do. So every wise-hearted among you, now look what it says, shall come. So that's a big step. So it wasn't just that you had the gift, ability, or talent. You actually had to come with it. You had to bring it. That's what the kids say now about basketball and football stuff. Bring it. Right? When you make a shot right in your face, you say, bring it. Yeah? Uh, I don't know. I'm with the kids all the time. That's what they say to me. Bring it. Sometimes they say old man afterward, and they boom, they're down. Every wise heart among you shall come, and everybody says, and make all that the Lord has commanded. There's three steps in this. You had to have the wise-hearted gift, ability, or talent, and then you had to come, and then you had to actually do something about it. And so you had to show up and make what God wanted you to make. So these people were just going to give an offering. They were going to build the tabernacle themselves. And you should read through these verses again, verses 11 through 19, and see all the things that they're going to make. That's incredible. From the cloths and the, the clothing and the pens that go in the tabernacle to hold it all together, they were going to do everything. The tatches and the rods and the rings and, man, there's so much stuff. When normally when you're reading through this in your library, you're like, oh, it's that chapter. They're going to make this, they're going to make a basin, and they're going to make an altar, they're going to make this. You know, God put this in here so that we would know that there were tons and tons of things that needed done 
to serve him. There were so many topics and tasks that needed done in the congregation for all the work. It's the same way in the body of Christ. The ability to do the projects for God's tabernacle was already in the people. It was already present. They didn't need to seek out professionals from outside the congregation to do the work. Now, I'm not beating up on any churches, but you know there's a lot of churches in 2015 who hire outside people to come in and do things in their church service? It's just incredible. They hire someone to come in and play the piano. Or they hire someone to come play the guitar and the bass guitar. We've got the best bass guitarists in the world already, Joe, so why would we need anybody else? But isn't that strange? We're going to go outside of our body because nobody here can do it or they're not willing to do it. And so we're going to hire the pros to do it. You know what we have a lot of now? Professional ministry doing everything. That's why we have celebrity churches. Where we have celebrity pastors and celebrity worship teams and celebrity personalities and people begin to follow them instead of Jesus Christ, it's a dangerous thing. That's why God didn't name any of these people. God said, show up. Bring your wise-hearted gift and show up and make what God allows you to make. Now, God's going to name some people later. We'll get into it. It's really exciting. But God had already blessed them with the gifts and talents necessary to fulfill his purpose. And it's kind of like God knew ahead of time that some particular 28-year-old man in this congregation was going to be building his brazen altar. And so he gifted him to do it. It's like God knew before she was born that a woman would be the one to sew the curtain between the holy place and the holy of holies. You think God in his infinite wisdom... Knowing what would be needed at Centennial Baptist Church in 2015, may have placed spiritual DNA in you before you were ever born to accomplish his will here. But you know, even the people who had the gift didn't guarantee it was going to get done. Remember, they still had to show up. They still had to decide, I'm going to use what God gave me for God's glory. Of course, you still have to choose whether or not you're going to willingly offer yourself for God's purpose. Skip down to verse number 20. Let's see what happens after Moses made this call for the offering. So the first part of the passage, it's Moses saying, Hey, we're going to have an offering, and here's what you should do, and here's what you should bring, and let's see what happened. Verse 20. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. The announcement was over. And they came... Everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit made willing. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation for all his service and for the holy garments. And look at verse 22. And they came, both men and women, as many as were willing hearted, and brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets, all jewels of gold. And every man that offered, offered an offering of gold unto the Lord. And every man with whom was found blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and red skin of rams and badger skins brought them. Every one that did offer an offering of silver and brass brought the Lord's offering. But every man with whom was found Shittim wood for any work of the service brought it. 
And all the women that were wise-hearted did spin with their hands. They had a quilting club. Can you imagine this? They had a quilting club in Exodus 35. Now some people say, boy, your ministries are outdated. Yeah, they go back thousands of years. Goodness gracious. Here they were right here. You know there was a woman in the New Testament who had a quilting club too? Her name was Dorcas. Her role in the body of Christ was so important that God raised her from the dead to continue. You don't believe me? You read it for yourself. It's in Acts chapter 8 or 9, right in that area. Read about the life of Tabitha. It's incredible what God does through people who serve. Let's go a step further, though, and let's talk about investing that is specific to the individual. We're going to carry the same thought in this next important truth. Investing that is specific to the individual. In the New Testament parable that Jesus gave, the master gave one guy five talents, and one guy two talents, and one guy only one talent. And what each one was able to do with what he had been given was based upon his individuality. Here in this passage, let's keep reading now from verse 25. So all the women who were wise-hearted did spin with their hands and brought that which they had spun both of blue and purple, scarlet and fine linen. And all the women whose hearts stirred them up, up in wisdom spun goat's hair. And the rulers, so they were involved too. And by the way, if leadership's not involved in giving, then the church can never move forward. That means those who serve in the church have to lead in giving in the church. And praise the Lord, that's taking place here at Centennial. The rulers brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate, and spice and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. The children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord. Every man and woman whose heart made them willing to bring for all manner of work which the Lord had commanded to be made by the hand of Moses. Now, it's evident that none of these people could do everything. None of them. There's not a person here who could do everything. Moses couldn't do everything. In fact, there was a time when his father-in-law said to Moses, Moses, you're doing too much. If you try to do it all, you won't ever develop leaders. If you try to do it all, you're going to fall flat on your face. Not anybody can do it all. Do you know if only our church leaders were the ones who are working, we would have church today? Everybody's got to participate together. It's evident none of these people could do everything, but I want you to please don't miss this. But all of them could do something. None of them could do everything, but all of them could do something. Every single one of them could do something. Every member of the congregation became a minister to the congregation, which is the very core of God's investment plan for his kingdom. You know, for the work of God to continue past our lifetimes, we have to invest in people who will take the gospel to the next generation. That's the way Christianity has moved across the globe for 2,000 years. Not based upon a religion or a set of rules, but based upon the man, Jesus Christ, who died, rose again, ascended into heaven, 
will soon come again. And his disciples said things like, That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you. There were individuals too that saw a big picture incredibly larger than just themselves. And so the people in Moses' day invested their lives with the tabernacle as their purpose and goal. And the disciples invested their lives with the gospel in view. The question for us is how will we invest each of our lives in a way that will be a part of God's big picture kingdom? So they worked as individuals in a larger context in a congregation. But we haven't even got to the good part yet. And it's not even close. You, I'm telling you, you're going to be blown away by the three verses at the end of the message. God put them right here in Scripture. They're some of the most amazing Scriptures you're ever going to read. I want to talk, though, about filling that confirms the Spirit's favor. That's the next part of the message. Filling that confirms God's favor in our life. Filling that confirms God's favor. There's an interesting thing that Bible commentators talk about called the law of first mention. Here's basically what it means. Whenever you see something that's mentioned for the first time in the Bible, you can gain an important truth from it. You can gain meaning from it. Well, I want you to go back a few chapters to Exodus 31, and let's see something very interesting. It's the first time it's ever mentioned in Scripture. Exodus 31. This is God as he's talking to Moses, still on Mount Sinai, about the making of the tabernacle. This is before Israel rebelled and built the golden calf, and so God's speaking with him. Exodus 31 and verse 1, the Lord speaking to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Do you know that's the first time in the Bible that anybody has ever said to be filled with the Spirit of God? It's the first one. Bezalel. How many even have ever heard of Bezalel? Don't even have to raise your head. Most people don't even know who Bezalel is. But he's the first guy who's ever filled with the Spirit of God. Now go to chapter 35. God acted and interacted differently with people in the Old Testament than he does today, so I don't want you to be confused. But this is amazing. There's a guy named Bezalel who was singled out by the Creator as someone that was filled with the Spirit of God so that he could do the work of God. So look at chapter 35 now, verse number 30. And Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord hath called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. And he hath filled him with the Spirit of God, in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all manner of workmanship, but to devise curious works, to works of gold and silver and brass, and in the cutting of stones, to set them in carpet of wood, to make any manner of cunning work. We have put it in his heart that he may teach. Oh, that's huge. <laughs> Not only was he going to do the work, but he was going to teach other people to do the work. Both he and Aholiab, the son of Ahizamach, of the tribe of Dam. Not Dam, 
Dylan, <laughs> excuse me, on the podcast. I, I apologize profusely. I read the wrong letter. It's a mistake I've really would ever make. God bless us all. Then hath he filled with wisdom of heart to work all manner of work of the engraver and of the cunning workman of the embroider and blue and purple and scarlet fine linen of the weaver, even of them that do any work and of those that devise cunning work. So God told Moses, we already read in chapter 31, and then Moses told the children of Israel here in chapter 35, God has his hand on Bezalel to do the work of the tabernacle. Can you imagine if you're Bezalel at that moment, standing in the midst of the congregation, how it makes you feel? It doesn't make you feel proud in yourself. It makes you feel favored by God. Blessed by God. You know, if you have the Spirit of God in you today, you have been favored immensely. You have been called by name by the Most High God. He's called you to be His child. And he's got a work for you to do. The Spirit of God and believers bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. It's a foundational truth from Romans 8. The Spirit of God in each believer guides us to the opportunities and the investments that we should make for kingdom purposes. And when we listen to the Spirit and we ask the Spirit to lead us to the service he would have us to do, he will. And we won't only do the work, we'll teach others to do the work so they can teach others to do the work. I wonder how Bezalel came upon all these gifts and talents. I wonder if maybe God listed his father's name for a reason. I wonder if God listed who he descended from for a reason. Because God passed those gifts and those abilities and that workmanship down through that line. But just as he was called by name, we have a personalized call from God. Here's the difference, though, between Bezalel, back in this time period around 1500 B.C., and many of God's children 3,500 years later. I'll show it to you. Here's the difference. Chapter 36, verse number 1. Then Lot, Bezalel, and the holy ebb. There's the difference right there. Bezalel was not only filled with the Spirit and called by name to do the work, he actually stepped up and did the work. That's the biggest difference between some of us and him. He wasn't just called and filled with the Spirit, he actually stepped up and did it. The fact that he wrought in the work, that means he accomplished the work. He fulfilled the work. He did what God asked him to do. And things began to happen rapidly in the camp. The service of the sanctuary was a priority, not just to Bezalel and Aholia, but to all the people. And I want you to see the end of this marvelous history as we go down to verse number 5. Exodus 36, verse number 5. These are verses that you will never hear in a Baptist church. And they spake unto Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work 
and the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. Can you imagine this? Now look at verse 7. For the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it and too much. This is pretty incredible. This is mind-blowing right here. The stuff they had was sufficient. Actually, it was too much. And Moses actually had to stand up and say, People, don't bring anything else. No more offerings. We have more than we need to do the work. Can you even imagine this? I hope we don't need any more nursery volunteers. We have more than enough. No, we don't need any more greeters. We have too many as it is. We don't need any more water helpers. We're full. This is incredible. Bezalel told Moses, Hey, boss, listen. They're bringing in much more than enough. My fellow helpers at Centennial, people of our congregation, do you realize that we have the same God that they have been? We have the same Spirit of God in us who worked in their lives. Our God has unlimited resources and every good and perfect gift comes to his children, but we still have choices to make. Will we invest God's stuff in God's work or try to unsuccessfully keep it for ourselves? And I say unsuccessfully because no one has ever succeeded at getting his stuff with him when he leaves the earth. Nobody's ever done it. Will we willingly offer God's stuff for God's work? And then will we follow through on God's individualized calling for our lives? I guarantee you that every pastor in the world dreams of living out the revival experience that happened to Moses in verses 5 through 7. Shut down the offerings. Don't sign up any more volunteers. We're busted out at the seams. You know, it all started with what happened back in chapter 35, verse number 5. Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whosoever is a willing heart, let him bring it. Verse 21, when they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit made willing, and they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of congregation for all his service and for the holy garments. See, what we do, we have to do for God. If you want to invest your life in eternity, give God the time he's given you for today. You have to do it in the present. You can only invest in eternity in the present. It's the only time you can do it. Give God the efforts that he has strengthened you for today. Give God the resources that he has given to you today. That's investing in eternity. You know the Moses principle is true in our society too? Church studies and church surveys and church resource companies, you know what they tell us? I think I quoted this stat last week. Only 4% of the people who go to local churches even give a tithe of their income to God. You know what the Moses principle says? 
If 100% of the people who came to a local church actually just gave of what they had, the church would have too much. They wouldn't be able to find enough ministries to do stuff with. They would be overflowing. And that goes not just for resources, but for volunteers, for ministry helpers. I tell you what, our nursery coordinators, they have such great faith and they help and they pray, but I'm always hearing we need more nursery workers. We just need more people to help step up to the plate. Well, Pastor, we don't have enough a lot of people this year. You know, what I think is, what if we could just give a little bit of what God's given to us? Of our time, of our effort. What if we could just step up to the plate a little bit? If Jesus would walk down the road to Golgotha with a cross on his back, beaten and bleeding for us, why is it that we're so stingy with stuff that won't even make it through the death process? All of these wasted hours watching football, baseball, and basketball. My head's up. All that wasted time watching Hannity. Uh, not much anymore. He always says the same thing over and over again. All the wasted time we watch stupid stuff and do stupid things that won't last forever. And God is saying, hey... What about me? I'm the one who gave it to you. And you're building a golden calf with it. You're wasting away what I gave you willingly and freely and lovingly. And here these people were that walked around door to door and the Egyptians said, hey, have another brick of gold. Hey, would you like some 14 karat necklaces? Ah, I'm good. Got, got plenty. And they wore everyone they could. And that, the women were like this. The men had quadruple earrings in each ear. And they walked out of Egypt with the bank full. And then they brought all their stuff and threw it in a pot for a worthless golden calf who did absolutely nothing for them. And that's what we do. We throw God's stuff in the pot of culture like no other generation in history. And we waste our lives. And we waste our investments. And we waste our testimonies when we could bring it before God and see it multiply and go on and go on and go on. He said, Pastor, boy, you, I don't like your message today. The truth is, I don't really like it either. Because it requires us to understand a little bit of true sacrifice. True sacrifice is not showing up in a building at 11 o'clock that's heated in air conditioning year-round and sitting for an hour. That's not really true sacrifice. True sacrifice is when we take up the cross daily and follow him. True sacrifice is when we say, Jesus, what could I do with my life today that will last forever? Who could I affect today that will last forever? Who can I pray for today? If we had more people involved in faith, promise, giving, every missionary that comes to this church, we could stand up the day they come and say, hey, we're taking you on. Go to the field. But we have to divvy through three or four each year because we only get about 
12 to 15 percent of our church that's involved with faith promise giving. Instead, we buy lattes for five bucks a pop. We are a spoiled generation. And I say this all in love because I care for you. I'm not mad at anybody. God knows my heart. I care about you. And I care about what happens with the investments we make as a church. I care about what we do as a congregation to serve God. And God has this path for us. That path is investing in eternity. It's the path on which our core truths lie. The road of investing in eternity has loving God on its path. It has growing together on its path. It has serving others on its path. How do we invest in eternity? We do it by those things every day. Loving God. Serving others. Growing together. And so my question for you this morning, it's a simple question. As we finish up the series, what will you do with your one and only life? What are you going to do with your one and only life? This is the only time you get. It's your one chance. There's no reruns. There's no redos. That kid's only going to come through your house one time. Those things aren't going to be repeated. Never again. What will you do with your one and only life? What will I do with my one and only life? I know God would be so pleased if in our hearts today, as we close this service, that we would have the attitude that they had in Exodus 35, where everyone who is of a willing heart just came before God and said, God, here I am, I'm willing. I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. Everyone who is wise of heart, who had a gift, talent, or ability, would step up and say, God, you've blessed me. I'm going to serve. Everyone who had gotten some of Egypt's goods because God was good to them would say, God, I'm willing to give some of the stuff. Where are hearts in this, though, today? And that's the question. And it really is the answer to what will I do with my one and only life? Let's bow together. As we bow this morning, could I just say this with no one looking around? If you're here today without Jesus in your life, if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, the first and best thing you can do with your one and only life is give your heart to the Savior. You need Jesus in your life. Otherwise, you will be without Him for all eternity. And it's your choice whether you will accept or reject Him in your life. We can take the Word of God this morning and show you how you can know that. And I'd love to do that today during this time of invitation. If you're a believer here today, I don't know how God's spoken to you. I don't know if it's about the investments you're making in your time or with your effort, with your gifts and abilities, with your resources. I have no idea. But I know this. The question, what will I do with my one and only life, should affect all of us. It's a big question. It's a foundational question. I believe that God wants us to respond today in a way that would honor Jesus who hung on the cross for us. Father, would you bless now today in this time of invitation. 
Help us to take up the cross daily and follow you. As we sang earlier, I surrender all. The only question would be, do we mean it? Do we really desire to follow you? Are we really willing to offer of ourselves that which you've called us to do? Guide us in this invitation. I pray for those who would be without Jesus Christ, that they would come and allow us to take the word of God and show them how they could know that this morning. Would you work now? We ask it in Jesus' name. Would you stand? As you stand, Brother David's going to say, the altar's open. You come right now. Do what God wants you to do this morning. Don't wait. Come on the first verse. Bring your life before God. Your one and only life. What are you going to do with your one and only life? Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the embers of thy love. Take my feet and let them Swift and beautiful for thee, swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing, always only for my King. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from Messages from thee. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine. It shall be no Thank you for being here this morning. Sure do love you. Appreciate you. We have choir practice at 445 tonight. But the is going to be with us at a 530 service tonight. And I would encourage you to come and find more about the field of Puerto Rico. Uh, it's an American territory, but in deep need of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I hope you'll come and, and hear about that 530 tonight in our service. Yeah, serve the Lord with your life this week. Pray for each other. Yeah, make sure you stop by and wish a little Axel Valencia a happy first day at church today. He's here for the first time. And mom's with him, Melissa, back there. Make sure you say hi to them. Greet those around you. And be praying for Sister Pauline and uh, the things that we talked about earlier in the service, that God would work in her life and give her a, a measure of comfort. I'm going to ask Brother Brandon Hunt to lift his voice and dismiss us with God's blessings.